0: This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, overcoming our culture's war on the American family. Written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician, Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks.
1: Welcome to the first episode of The Scandal of Reading. I told my husband that we were actually doing an introductory episode and he told me that no one listens to the introductory episode, so the pressure's off. We can just have a really good conversation for ourselves because this is fun to talk about, talk about books and why they matter to the church. I'm here with Austin Cardi and Claude Acho today. The three of us have come together on this project and I'm gonna just tell the story of how it all happened because it really has been organic. I've been reading Dorothy Day lately and Peter who was one of the starters of the Catholic worker movement. He said, we are not an organization. We're an organism. And I think that this group has really come together organically through, through God's grace and providence because we all wrote books about why the church needs to be reading and they all came out at the same time. So in order to really get my book into the hands of readers, The Scandal of Holiness, I started recording conversations and I didn't even have a plan initially for what these conversations would look like. I had seen that Claude was starting to look into Zora Neale Hurston online and I reached out to him and he was my very first conversation. I said, I'm writing on Zora. You're writing on Zora. This is a weird book. Moses, man of the mountain. Like, can we talk about it, record it? And maybe people will want to listen to that conversation. And then it turned into me asking my friend Haley to talk about Sigrid Unset and it just morphed and became a book launch where I released all these videos and more and more people were watching them and asking for more of them. And as that happened, at the same time, Austin Cardi had reached out to me because he had written the pastor's bookshelf, which I recommended to many people and gave to friends, gave to actually our youth pastor, uh, our family life pastor who loved it and passed it on to other people. And I asked to endorse this book, Reading Black Books. It's the first time and only time in my life I've asked to endorse a book, but I believed in what it was doing so much because it sounds so vocationally aligned with me that I reached out. So I have asked Claude and Austin to come on today because we have decided to turn what was season one of my podcast, all these videos that just kind of came out naturally into a season two where the three of us do this jointly. So guys, would you like to introduce yourselves and, and talk about how you came into this?
2: Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I'm, uh, yeah, just thrilled to get to be a part of this. And uh, Jessica, I think you, you told the story well in terms of, uh, being not an organization, but an organism. I love that. Uh, we were just talking as we're getting ready to record just how we're trying to juggle all these moving pieces and we're, we're finding a way to do it. So, um, so yeah, it's a thrill to be a part of this. Um, I, I work, uh, vocationally as a pastor uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, and, uh, uh, have a background in English literature, and so uh, my book was a fusion of, of both of those sort of callings, and the opportunity to do this is is a fusion of those two things as well, and just excited to have these conversations that hopefully can serve the church and excited for uh, the different things that we have in store with, for people uh, through this podcast, some, some, some goodies and some chances to collaborate and discuss together, so thrilled to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, same, 100%. Um, this is a joy to get to do this it's all come about so naturally, uh, these friendships, this opportunity to now talk about books in a somewhat more structured manner. Um, be on the, on the line here and talk with y'all regularly about books and record it. It's a great gift. Um, just to piggyback on what's already been said, um, on the day that my book was being released, I got this great note in my DMs from uh, Club. Uh, first DM I received after my 10-year hiatus from Twitter, I should say. I, <laughs> I unplugged from Twitter back in 2012, and then in the run-up to the book release, the Erdman's Publisher said, Austin, you really need to be back on social media. Uh, so please come follow me. I'm a really, really exciting follow. I tweet about a book maybe once every two weeks. Uh, nothing more exciting than that. Uh, but so the day that my book came out, uh, I tweeted about it, and some folks had shared it. And uh Claude had seen it and I saw a little note there in my in my DM box. And uh I'm probably outing myself as somebody who doesn't even know any of the terminology. I don't know if you call that a DM box, but you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. So so the point of this of this long story is to say that it was this really nice note from Claude saying uh, that he'd seen that, was picking up a copy, thought it looked really interesting and uh, I had just pre-ordered a copy of his book because I'd seen somebody share it recently, like within the week. So I was really flattered uh, that he reached out and said such kind words. So we kind of struck up a friendship that way. Uh, about a week later, I had finished reading The Scandal of Holiness, sent an email to Jessica just saying, uh, you've been on my radar for a while now, I've read your stuff, just read this recent book. It's wonderful. Uh, keep up the great work. Um working in the same corner of the literary and ecclesiastical garden and uh, wish you all the best. Well, she was very kind, wrote back, said, would love to read your book. Uh, this sounds like something right up my alley. A lot of people say that kind of thing. Jessica actually did it, She <laughs> put it out on uh, Twitter. And a lot of folks uh, responded to me because of that. So we struck up a friendship. Uh, and then uh, as, as Jessica said, um, our books all came into the world at the same time, basically. So a lot of different places that reviewed one of our books was reviewing all three of them, oftentimes in the same review itself. Uh, so to, to have those friendships formed that way and to be working on the same thing, to be passionate about the same thing, namely literature and, and the church, uh, it's been a great gift to me. So to get to now do this and do a podcast and talk with friends about books and ministry, it's, it's a real joy.
1: Yeah, logistically, we're going to have these conversations with a lot of new Christian writers about old books, right? Books that, you know, whether they're 100 years old or 800 years old or only 10 years old, um, but books that are just not reacting to the present moment, but with writers who are reacting to the present moment. And I think that's important to have these Christian writers who are putting words out there, but they have almost a prophetic vision because of the things that they're reading that came before, Right. And so I'm having a lot of these conversations logistically, like this season will all be my interviews with people, but next season, the three of us will get together regularly and just talk about some of the big questions about why imagination matters to the church, why we think that people should be reading fiction in the church. So I wanted to start this introductory episode where we not only introduced ourselves, but just talked about like, what are those questions that we face? Cause we all hear, weird questions. I mean, I'm a school teacher, have been a school teacher, have been a professor, and also you know, now a writer more than anything else. Um, So I'm coming from a more scholarly side of the question, more from the education perspective on like why Christians need to read. You guys are both pastors. You're talking to people in the pews, you have a pastoral angle. What are some of the questions you hear or some of the pushback you get from people who say, what, you're writing about literature?
0: Yeah, I'll I'll go go first. Um, One of the things that I hear often, and this is as a minister who came out of um, being a high school English teacher, I actually felt the first stirrings of a call to ministry while teaching high school English. It was through a I didn't
1: know that. That's cool.
0: ...story that that this uh, really began for me. Um, And so reading has always been a passion of mine. Uh, But one of the things that I'm often asked by ministers and, and church members alike is why do I talk so much about fiction? Why do I seem to uh, use a preponderant amount of my reading time reading uh, fiction? And uh, underneath that question, I think, is uh, an insight into what we, generally speaking, think of reading as. We think of it as a kind of utilitarian instrumental act, um, both inside and outside the church, just people in general. Um, we're an immediate gratification people, and we are also kind of an instrumental people. Uh, If I put in this time, what is it gonna yield for me? And um, nonfiction seems as though it makes more sense because it's as if our brains are computers and we're uploading this information, Mm. we retain as much as we can, and then we can uh, regurgitate that when called upon. Uh, but reading is far more formational than it is informational. It is informational, of course, Uh, but one of the great things about fiction is that uh, we're constantly learning more at a deeper level, something that's not just cognitive, but something that James K.A. Smith refers to is at subterranean levels Mm -hmm. um, about the human condition, about the complexity of reality. When we're reading fiction, when we're engaging other stories, And these are things that continue to color and enrich the lens through which we see the world. Uh, So just because in reading a novel, you can't close the book and say, okay, here is what I've learned, and here is how this is going to be immediately useful in my life, does not mean that it hasn't done all kinds of rich, important uh, work on us as people in terms Mm -hmm. of we understand the world around us. Uh, So one of the questions that I think is an important one for us to kind of foreground in this podcast and as people who talk about the importance of reading for the life of the church is that fiction is every bit as important as nonfiction Mm -hmm. uh, for different reasons, really. But fiction helps us understand others, helps us embrace the complexity of the world uh, in ways that... um, nonfiction doesn't do as well. Uh, and certainly in ways that it's hard to do outside of the act of reading itself.
1: Yeah. Before we jump to Claude, I wanted to say that was one of the best parts of your book. The the pastor's bookshelf was the opening in which you said that you forgot most of the things you read, but that they would come out in your sermons, right? You mentioned reading Marcel Proust. You weren't reading with this agenda to like have these points or have these quotes you read and you were okay with forgetting because of the subterranean level, right? Because there was some formation happening that would then come out at another time. I thought that was a really good example. And I've I've used that with multiple people, this idea of like, read and you'll forget it. And that's great.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for mentioning that. And that's because that's so autobiographical too, because that used yeah. to bring me a lot of frustration, a lot of anxiety, even because mm-hmm. putting in so much time as you read, and if the way that you were conceptualizing the reading act, is that it's just so that you are uploading information to your brain stored mm-hmm. there, then you can begin to think, I am really not using my time, wisely, And yeah. once you kind of free yourself to, to understand, and then this has been em- empirically demonstrated, by the way, this isn't mm-hmm. you know, pie in the sky theory, but that the reading that you're doing, all the stuff that you don't remember is still getting in there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: And, you know, coloring the way and enriching the way that we see uh, everything that we engage in our day-to-day lives, it's a very freeing and liberating thing, uh, yeah. and helps us to not feel so anxious and frustrated by all the reading that we don't, you know, cognitively remember.
1: Yeah, and yeah. not to dwell too long on that real quick, but just, I think we get conditioned by school. You read a book, you take a quiz right and that shows that you read the book and like if you get conditions like that that then what is the point right you're expecting this like list of quiz to help you remember in order to say like what mattered about what you just read right like there's a problem i think in how we teach it but
2: yeah but claude
1: what are some what what are some of the questions you get
2: so i get the same question that austin gets um The other question that I get though, actually, that's a little bit different is sort of uh, a question that I think this podcast is really going to help people with is what should I read? So the sort of when people are are convinced of sort of the case that's being made. And a lot of people uh, don't need that convincing. They, they love reading. They they see reading as a way to understand the world, as a way to uh, know, uh, know other stories, um, to love our neighbors, um, to be faithful disciples, and to be formed in important ways as Christians. Then the next question is, well, there's a lot of books out there. So what, what do I read? And, you know, every time I, I talk with, with, with y'all, I come away with like, oh, man, I really want to read this and I really want to read that. And, and then it's sort of what to prioritize, what to read and how to read, uh, how to read well. And so I know, uh, Jessica, you're, you've got a forthcoming book that that's on that topic specifically. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's the question I encounter now more regularly is the mm-hmm. sort of, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm in, you know, or I've been in on, on the reading thing mm-hmm. for Formation. So what do I do? How do how do I discern? Mm-hmm. How do I make choices between the classics and and the contemporary stuff? And, and then how do I even, you know, I want to read a lot, but how do like how do I know if a novel's good? Like how do I know if it's working? Mm-hmm. How do I how how do I develop that sort of grid for these things? And I think those are those are really fun and exciting questions and conversations to get into. So I feel like that's the question, that subset is the is mm-hmm. what sort of rises to the top in conversation. I'm, I'm hearing that more.
1: Yeah. Do you have a good answer
2: <laughs> for this uh, question? I, I don't Know <laughs> if I have good answers? I, I feel like y'all y'all got to come back for more episodes. Um, you know, I, right? I think, yeah, I think I mean you know, I'm prone to just really encourage people to read as they please. You know, so to follow mm-hmm. interests. I mean, I start and stop all sorts of books. Um, I, I'm just kind of all over the place, and uh, so so I I really encourage that sort of reading on a whim. I think I heard that from Alan Jacobs first. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I also think there's sort of um, yeah, it's sort of like our our interests and our context, you know, so there's certain books that novels that I feel like this actually, um, I want to read this, but I also, I kind of need to read this, I need to understand Mm -hmm. some of these stories based on where I live, uh, Mm -hmm. who I am, who's around me, the type of person I want to become, and the the things that I I need to know the things that are gaps for me. So sometimes I think in those categories as well. Um, But I'm excited to Yeah, those are the sort of questions I'm excited for us to explore further.
0: Yeah, I'd like when to I think, piggyback on that too, uh, yeah. Claude. You, you said something that that just got me thinking that, you know, one of the benefits I think that uh, engaging in this ongoing conversation uh, of folks that are thinking about reading and the life of the church is that once folks have really begun to do this, one of the things that gets developed is... Uh, it's another window into being able to give a real gift to someone that in dialogue with someone, once you kind of have this reservoir built up that uh, you've, you've read, you know, a good amount. And once you're in conversation with someone, this is something I know we do as ministers a lot, but Jessica, I guarantee you do it a lot. All readers do this, that when you now have this tool that's in the toolkit, that you're engaging with someone, you're hearing about their life, something they're going through. Suddenly you have this moment where something they're saying is connected to something that you recall from a book where you can say, you know, this this would be a great book, you know, for you to read. I think I think you'd really enjoy this. As a minister, I've found that to be a really, really powerful tool uh, for being able to uh, have conversations and invite folks into uh, some kind of intimate and vulnerable and important conversations uh, that we might not have had the same ways into had it not been for this book. It was recommended. Mm-hmm. The only way to be able to do that is if, you're reading regularly, uh, but not just reading regularly. If you're reading regularly as kind of a spiritual discipline, it's, it's part mm-hmm. of what you understand as something that is beneficial for, for your faith. Uh, so I think as we invite more and more folks within the church uh, to see their reading as part of their faith practice, another thing we're inviting folks into doing is being able to be the kind of person who in conversation with someone is able to say, you know, here's this book that I would recommend, and not just because it's an entertaining book, but because mm-hmm. I really think this resonates with what we're talking about here, and I think uh, I think that this would give you another lens uh, into to what it is that that you're wrestling with or going through. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think what you're what you're bringing up, Austin, is. And you know, an argument, an apology for why it is that we're reading, which is really important. And, and the fact that people have to have this apology and then Claude is saying, okay, after you even have the apology, then, then you still need some guidance. You need a teacher. And a lot of times people don't know who to turn yeah. to for those teachers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in some ways, I think that's, that would be part of my argument for why this podcast exists. It was the only thing that got me to even record YouTube or podcast, because for the longest time as a teacher, I thought, I don't want, the words influencer, it was awful. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't want to be a personality. I didn't want to be a brand. I didn't want to be an influencer. None of that appealed to me whatsoever. But when someone told me, what if you were teaching Mm -hmm. through this medium, what if it meant teaching? And then suddenly I could say, Oh yeah. Okay. I could do that. I can teach through podcast. I can teach through YouTube. Um, So what, that's what I'm hoping to do. What are some of the things you guys are hoping, you know, why another podcast to put out there when all of us have our own ministries and our own own things going on? Why is this important that we take the time to do this? Claude, you want to go ahead and start?
2: Yeah. I mean, I I like like the way you frame that, Jessica, because I think, you know, the first answer we were discussing just a few moments ago, Austin was sort of speaking to like the why, like why reading. And I sort Mm -hmm. of brought up the sort of the what and the how a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that, and that I think really aligns with, uh, the work that you're doing, um, you know, in, in kind of online spaces and, and, and YouTube and different things like that, and especially this podcast so I, I, I get excited. I think that's what we can contribute is sort of the um... Not just the why, but sort of the the how and, and the what, and I think people people need help with that. And mm-hmm. um, and I think you know, uh, sort of uh, beyond that, uh, I mean, we really believe in this together, and that this is really important formative work for people's minds, um, their hearts, and their, and their souls, and, and their embodied living. And so, it's mm-hmm. an important part of uh, our worship and our discipleship to uh, to Christ. And so, the opportunity to um, talk about sort of reading in this sort of spiritual way, um, in mm-hmm. this sort of formative way is just a way to, to serve, uh, to serve each other, to serve our listeners, to serve the church. And so, uh, so it's not just another podcast in the sense of like, Hey, we just want to talk about random ideas because we want to get more people listening so we can do more things or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is a, uh, an act of love and of service. And, and we, uh, hope to, yeah, just see a, a wonderful community kind of emerge and flourish out of that
0: yeah i i love the way you just put all that claude to me it's an invitation into a way of life and Mm -hmm. some listeners are probably already living the same way of life and i think for others it's um it's it's an invitation into seeing reading as a central part of one's core identity Mm -hmm. I, i reference in my book a line that stuck with me through the years back when blue like jazz you know, came out and made a big splash in the early 2000s. I was a young 20-something at the time, and um, I was really taken with the introductory note to that book that um, I've kind of repeated so many times now I've got essentially committed to memory, but he says in that book that um, something to the effect of, I didn't used to like jazz music because jazz music doesn't resolve, but then One night, I was outside the Baghdad Theater in Portland, and I saw a man playing the saxophone with his eyes closed for 15 minutes. He says he just played with his eyes closed for 15 minutes. And he says, after that, I like to jazz music. Mm. Sometimes you have to watch someone else love something before you can. Mm. It's almost as if they're showing you the way. Mm. And um, one of the things that I think has drawn us together, and one of the reasons we get on so well and geek out when we're all talking is we just love to read, but we find joy in the presence of other people who love to read. So even if you're talking about a book that I haven't read, in fact, probably more so if you're talking about a book that I haven't read, I'm so engrossed in it because there's a kinship where like recognizes like. Um, And sometimes you need to watch other people love something before uh, Mm -hmm. you're drawn into it. So I hope that for folks who don't already kind of identify as um, as readers, uh, if they've stumbled into this podcast, then then watching us love it, listening to us, mm-hmm. might be an invitation in. And then for the others who already do, then it's just overhearing and engaging in and joining in a conversation about the things we care the most about. Um, and who doesn't
1: love that? Well, that's a great image, Austin. And I- You know, I've already set up that these are going to be interviews with people that I'm going to hold. And then we're going to start each episode with the three of us talking about books, what we're reading, who our models are for reading, what our reading habits are, you know, all of those kind of things in the beginning of each episode. But then there's also a way for people not just to watch us play jazz. There's also a way for people to join in. Do you guys want to talk about how there's also going to be episodes in which people are going to be able to play a part? Maybe Austin, you to start.
0: Yeah, so we also are going to have a segment called The Lit Pulpit, where we're going to have a conversation about a book. And we're going to have a Facebook page where we hope folks will be engaging with us, uh, giving us questions that you'd like us to respond to, uh, ultimately giving us suggestions for future books to do. Uh, But it'll just be an opportunity to talk about a book in a sustained fashion uh, where folks are invited to read along with us. Uh, We go through the book slowly, measuredly, uh, and have themes to each of the conversations. Uh, But it's just kind of a window into what does it look like to read a novel, A, but then read a novel um, with an anticipation of thinking about how does this dialogue with my commitment to Christian faith? Paul, do you want to build on that?
2: Yeah, we're really excited about this. Um this kind of lip pulpit uh sort of um uh menu offering alongside uh, inside the podcast uh, alongside of it. Um, what's really cool about this, Austin has done some of this with pastors. Uh, and so what's really great is now just sort of broadening this um, in a in a uh, yeah larger way to anyone who wants to participate. So uh, I think I have permission to share the book that we're going to do, right? We're, we're good to do. Okay. So we're going to start off with uh, James Baldwin's Go Tell It on the Mountain, uh, which is a, a powerful uh, and important book, uh, a really timely book as well. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to, kick off with that and so I want to encourage you to grab a copy of the book and uh start reading along and um, you'll be able to kind of sync up with us um in in our in the next season as we uh as we move in toward toward January but go ahead and get that put it on your um yeah put on your birthday list you got something coming up or, or whatever you need to do get it from the library start reading along and we'll have more information rolling out about how to participate drop questions on Facebook and uh excited to build community around a really important novel.
1: Absolutely. Just a reminder for everybody who's gonna be listening to season one. If you listen to season one, you'll see Austin and Claude a couple times, but really the heart of their performance or I shouldn't say performance. um, The heart of their participation is going to be in season two when we really get to dig into these questions and these books and, and also feature a book club where everybody can join in. So any last words guys before we invite people into this thing?
2: oh man people know what to do uh rate review comment share you, you gotta you gotta do that and you know you're doing it for a good purpose we're building a yeah just a community of, of people who want to read uh and grow and love for god in the process so um so yeah do do share this around with your friends and we're excited to be on this journey together
1: all
0: i have to add to that is amen can't wait to do
1: it <laughs> fantastic thanks guys